Nina Simone. You're with Julian on the Brano and a review of Nightmare Alley. Now, Guillermo del Toro is one of three uh, Alejandro Cuaron and I've forgotten the other one. Basically, last decade, five of the best director Oscars went to Mexicans. And everyone talks about, you know, Southeast Asia, cinema and all of this. But half of the best director Oscars the last decade went to Mexicans. And Guillermo del Toro won for The Shape of Water. Um, he's very established as a fantastical filmmaker in the in the sense of his visuals being fantastical, his imagination creating these incredible unreal universes. Probably the most um, prominent American film that made his name was Blade Two, which was nothing but then Hellboy. And I think still his best film, Pan's Labyrinth, one of the best films of the century. And he's he's occupies this weird space between... Um, like he, he can go full commercial comic book or he can do um, very highly acclaimed movies. So Hellboy 2 was both. Um, still a fantastic film. And I, I really like Pacific Rim. I was gutted that he didn't direct it. And can you imagine what the Hobbit trilogy would have ended up like? But um, this is much more like Crimson Peak in that it's a semi-horror film. Crimson Peak was such a letdown, not because it wasn't a good film, it was. But because all the elements were there for it to be a great one and it just ended up a bit inconsequential. Um, Nightmare Alley is um, based on a book by uh, William Lindsay Gresham. And it was a very big famous book in 1946 when it came out. A film noir was made and um, it was... it. Ironically, considering this film didn't get great reviews on release, but is now regarded as a classic. Um, and it's a very dark film indeed. Um, it stars uh, Bradley Cooper as this um, figure that you're shown at the start in a house where he's burning his dad. Um, his dad's um, died and he sort of sets fire to the house and burns him and heads off and ends up to um, a, a carnival, a travelling fairground and um, doesn't speak for ages, which is quite um, quite tension-building from Del Toro, I thought. And he, um, he basically gets into work doing odd jobs after um, Willem Dafoe, latterly regarded as one of the greatest actors, finally, gives it, he's a fairground leader and, and takes his travelling carny around America with um, lots of the people on the margins of society that are running from things or alcoholics or can't get work elsewhere or just want to be part of this universe and, and not part of the real world. And immediately he becomes uh, involved with Tony Collette, who is a tarot card reader and mystic, and whose husband is the wonderful... Oh, he was David Strathairn, who was wonderful in Nomadland. And it's not made clear in the film, but in the other versions, it's uh, made clear that he's the husband of Tony Collette, and Tony Collette's um, putting herself out there to men all the time has driven him to terrible alcoholism. And their act is all about mentalism, where they can um, use tricks to make people believe that they're psychic. But he's starting to lose it, and Bradley Cooper starts to ingratiate himself in with them and has an affair with Tony Collette and basically starts learning their skills and he wants to go off on his own with a woman that's taken his eye, Rooney Mara, who does the electricity woman trick on stage where she has electricity running through and sparks coming off of her. 
And he tries to convince her to run away with him and they will do their own act, uh, which will use this mentalism thing, which is basically they'll use verbal triggers to have one person blindfolded, but the way that the other person is using language will trigger them to lots of detailed information that will wow the audience. And they do. They head off and they um, they make it big for a while. But then he becomes involved with Kate Blanchett, who is a psychologist. And from there, it's intimated that he shouldn't use these powers to trick people into believing that he can commune with their lost loved ones because it's dangerous and it's too far. And basically, he ends up forming this sort of con relationship with the psychologist, Tony, uh, played by Kate Blanchett, who um, feeds him information about her high-profile clientele, which he couldn't possibly know. So he then basically ingratiates himself with very rich people and telling them that he can commune with their child that died years ago. And the whole thing comes to a head when uh, another brilliant actor... Uh, Richard Jenkins, who is a very dangerous, very, very wealthy man, gets him in his orbit. And he had um, forced his very young wife or girlfriend to have an abortion uh, where she died when he was very young. And he has blamed himself ever since. But it is continually mentioned what a dangerous man he is. And obviously there's a con on the cards. He keeps uh, Bradley Cooper's character keeps fleecing these people as he goes along. Now, this film hasn't got great reviews. It's got pretty good reviews, pretty tepid reviews. Um, I actually thought this was wonderful. Um, I mentioned earlier reviewing Power of the Dog versus this. I would reverse my opinions. I didn't think, I thought Power of the Dog was pretty inconsequential. I thought this was an incredible film. I think this is uh, Guillermo del Toro's most written film. It's his film that is least in need of visual, visual imagination or stimulation or world-building. The world-building is still fantastic. Um, the production design here is absolutely awards-worthy and mesmerizing. The, the, the carnival, the stage shows the even the buildings that they occupy it is in the art deco interiors is stunning the sound stage is stunning it could well get nominated for a raft of oscars on the um filmmaking on the technical level because it is just it's breathtaking but it doesn't need those things for the story not like his other films where the incredible visual imagery has actually been an enormously important part to the story here it isn't. It just is also incredible to look at for most of the film. Um, the cast is uniformly excellent. I really like Bradley Cooper's performance in there, though I wouldn't say it was an awards-worthy one. Uh, if there's a gripe, I would say that the characters play to type a bit. The casting is very to type. Tony Collette is exactly who she, you would expect her to be. Kate Blanchett, exactly who you'd expect her to be. Um, certain other characters do stand out a lot. I thought Richard Jenkins had a malevolence about him where you would genuinely believe that he was a dangerous man. Ron Perlman turns up. The cast is amazing. Um, and everyone is everyone's an 8 out of 10 acting and not quite above to getting into awards. I think Kate Blanchett's two-type character is the one that has get, is getting the most awards nominations. She could get up for a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for this. But it's just uniformly very strong across the board. I thought Jenkins was, was also really, really good. Um, 
But to me, it's a real gut punch of a film. Martin Scorsese has come out and said that this is the one true noir film of the modern era and celebrated it. Now, I totally get what he means. Film noir has become one of the most plagiarised formats. There's new, uh, neo-noir, which I am a big fan of. Movies like anything, <laughs> Drive, uh, Only God Forgives. Um, basically um, a modern variant of it, but most modern noirs have the style, the visual style of those 1940s and 50s detective stories. But they miss out on the crucial concepts of noir, which is people on the margins of society that are so desperate that they behave in, in manners which um, their past brings about their own downfall or uh, elements of their character brings about their own downfall. And they're incredibly cynical films and incredibly bitter. And the people in there are really broken and often treated horribly. And these are elements of noir you don't just put on a detective hat, a trilby or whatever, and have the lighting done like a Coen Brothers movie in, say, um, Miller's Crossing and, and call it a noir. It's actually the, the, the position of the characters and, and, and where they are on the margins of society, how broken they are, and how their past will not let them escape and they're consigned to these terrible fates, which is exactly what happens here. I felt this in my gut. I really did feel this film stayed with me after it finished. It's a horrible ending. And the, and, and, and the inevitability of it. The film noir is very gothic, and gothic to me means that your past is defined, sorry, your present is defined by past events. And it's um it's fatalist you can't escape it, uh, and and this film is like Bradley Cooper's character. He does he gets out of his horrible situation and makes his life a lot better, but he can't help himself. Uh, and the there's flashes of brutal violence in this film which work really really well, and I thought that there was a really good twist as well with the Jenkins character, which was nightmarish. I thought the final sort of quarter was really, really nightmarish in the way that it... Uh, it some people said the uh, sort of ending wasn't that great. I thought the last quarter was amazing. It's horrific. <laughs> um, and um, it's not it's not a horror film. It's, it's the, the horror is um, the way that people treat each other and the ramifications of it. So on a great cast, uh, a stunning production design... But most of all, it, it relies on the writing of the screenplay and the characters involved and their interactions with each other and the path that they, tra that they go through throughout the film that is the overwhelming... And that's the director, uh, um, his directing here. The Shape of Water was such an overrated film. It was like the Bananas in Pyjamas child version of um, Pan's Labyrinth. I think I gave it 7 out of 10. I did not think it was a, a masterpiece at all. This is so much better, and yet it doesn't get critical acclaim. Honestly, critics are the worst. They just all line up like sheep and follow each other. I thought this was a really powerful film. I thought it was really dark um, and beautifully made, but also the direction and the, um, the screenplay were just magnificent. So I'm going to give Nightmare Alley a 9 out of 10 despite its shortcomings here and there a little bit flabby at times um a lot of the actors cast to type and maybe not that you know everyone's 
really good rather than great. I thought when you add on the, the awards where the soundstage and, and visual design of the film as well, which is in the service of the film and not, you know, like Hellboy 2 where it is the film, um, I thought that pushed it back over the line. So 9 out of 10 for Nightmare Alley. Uh, 